This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 96. Thanks for listening. My name is Brian Vincent Weber, and this is the podcast that talks all about bartending and spirits and cocktails and the bar business. My guest today will be David Sengwell, and he does a podcast himself called Bartender HQ, and I was a guest on his show, and he was a guest on mine, so that's what we're going to hear today. We're going to hear that in a little bit. Uh, first, let me mention uh, my sponsor, Tipsy, Tip, the Tipsy app, T-I-P-S-E-E, and it'll help you keep track of your tips. And uh, when you're bartending, it's a good thing. Keep track of your tips. It's a financially responsible thing to do. And uh, why not look back at your tips from the uh, previous week or the previous month and try to beat it and say, I'm going to do better this week or this month. I think that's a fun way to use the app, and it's a good way to up your bartending game. And if you go to my website, bartenderjourney.net, you can click through to A Bar Above. It's a great online course that my friend Chris Tunsdale runs, and you can check that out. It's so in-depth. There's uh, tons and tons of videos and uh, little quizzes, and it's it's an awesome course, very, very in-depth. So please check that out. Click through uh, bartenderjourney.net to A Bar Above. Hey, Happy New Year. As I record this, it's early in January, and it's the first time I'm talking to you guys in 2015, so I hope... If you were behind the bar, uh, behind the stick on New Year's Eve, I hope it was successful and you made a lot of money. And uh, if you were entertaining for friends, I hope that went well. And maybe a little combination of both, I don't know. But uh, most of all, hopefully everybody had a fun time and a safe safe time. All right, that's a really weird version of that song. Uh, today, uh, unrelated to bartending and the bar business at all, but uh, today as I record this, uh, Mario Cuomo uh, passed away and he's, he's being uh, laid to rest today. Mario Cuomo, the former governor of New York State and father of our current governor, I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Mario Cuomo and recording him uh, for some narration for a History Channel show, actually, several years ago. And uh, he was the smartest guy I ever met, I got to tell you. He could talk at length about any subject, uh, probably about bartending, too, if I had asked him. <laughs> this guy, he was just probably the most intelligent person I ever met in my life. And uh, so I just wanted to uh, mention that real quick. Okay, uh, so we're going to talk to David Sangwell. Here it is. My guest today is David Sangwell, and he is a bartender over in England, in Birmingham, right? Uh, that's right. All yeah, right. And uh, I know you're big into flair, and you, you uh, did some consulting in um, Dubai, so I'd, I'd love to hear about that first. Yeah, no problems. Well, yeah, I um, I was working over here, actually, with TGI Fridays, which I know you guys have got over in the States. That's where yeah. it came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was working over here bartending with them. I did a little bit of work in menu development with them over here uh, and getting everything set up um, for a new menu rollout. And then I got a phone call um, from a recruitment agent over here who were looking for someone like myself to go over there as a show bartender. And that was really how I got recruited for it. When we arrived in Dubai, though, it turned out that they actually needed me um, to take on the kind of bar manager type role. Right. Um purely because the other guy that uh, went over with me, who's a, a great bartender named uh, Dean Parkin, um, I didn't actually know he was going until he turned up in the same apartment as me. We were sharing an apartment over there. Uh, but we had happily enough worked together beforehand, so it wasn't too bad, uh, right. and we had a great time over there. But he's a little bit younger than me, and he was far more interested in actually 
being a show bartender as opposed to doing the management side of things. Okay. So we kind of ended up switching roles a little bit there. Uh, we were on the same salary, so it didn't make too much difference. It just <laughs> meant that he got to juggle a lot more than I did, and uh, I I got to kind of look after the the servers and that sort of thing as well. All right. Um, but and yeah, that we, was in a uh, hotel, yeah. It was um, the one of the things with Dubai because a lot of people ask me, um, "What's the point in going out as a bar consultant in Dubai? Are you allowed to even drink alcohol over there?" Mm. And yes, you are. <laughs> uh, but every bar that serves alcohol has to be attached to a hotel ah. um, as part of the laws over there. So we were actually on the Palm du- uh, the Palm Jumeirah, which is the massive. Um, artificial island that they've built <laughs> out um, into the sea. Wow. And, um, yeah, there were three outlets. It was Michelin-starred restaurants. Uh, there was one called Stay by Yannick Aleno, um, which was the sort of the flagship uh, hotel bar and restaurant. Uh, we'd got a lounge bar. We'd got an all-day dining restaurant by the name of Zest. And uh, the main bar that we were focusing on was called the 101, which was the marina bar. Okay. Um, so, I mean, right outside, you could have everyone. We we were over the sea, and then you could actually have the the boats coming right up onto our marina. Mm-hmm. That was where everyone would arrive from the mainland if they were coming over by boat rather than driving up the palm itself. Okay. Um, and we had different um, different concepts for each of the bars. Mm-hmm. So in stay, because it was quite a fine dining type restaurant, everything was along the lines of classic cocktails, but with uh, premium spirits. Mm-hmm. And we're talking like really premium, yeah. super premium stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, our lounge bar was fairly typical stuff. So we had quite a lot of uh, classic cocktails again, but also a lot of different uh, teas and uh, premium coffees, that kind of thing. Um, but it got a bit more fun when we went over to Zest uh, because the food concept for the Zest bar um, was actually to have all of the dishes served three different ways. So if you ordered beef, you could order it Middle Eastern, Asian or Western style. Hmm. Uh, and so we did cocktails to match. So we'd take the classics. So we'd have, for example, um, a caipirinha mm-hmm. uh, and we'd serve it Middle Eastern, Asian or Western and the same with a gin and tonic. And that sort of thing. So for the gin and tonic, for example, we had a date-infused rum for the Middle Eastern style. Cool. Uh, we had a Firenze-infused um, gin. Did I say a rum? Uh, <laughs> rum I yeah. might have said a rum for that gin and tonic. That wouldn't not be quite as good. But, that wouldn't uh, be a gin yeah, and tonic. A, a, a gin uh, that was infused with dates. I, I do apologize. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we, we kind of took that and played with it a little bit. And then for the marina itself, which was our kind of uh, our signature bar, and that was where myself and Dean were both um, based for the for the sort of year that we were over there. Mm. Uh, we based the menu on different uh, marinas from around the world. Oh, wow. So we had Ibiza Magna and uh, a really nice spiced sangria that we uh, we created the the spice syrups and that sort of thing for that. Uh-huh. Um, we had uh, Sandra Pay, so we were doing. Um, some really nice, um, like a strawberry cosmopolitan and that sort of thing called the Lavoie La Rouge. Uh, we had uh, a whole bunch of molecular stuff as well that we did for the oh, really? uh, for the one hundred ones kind of signature drinks. So we did a a molecular mojito. How, um, how'd you do that? What's, well, what's that, that was, about? Uh, that was Bacardi eight year old rum. Okay. Um, with pressed apple juice, uh-huh. and then we topped the whole thing with a mint and lime foam. Mm. 
um, <laughs> which was uh, you know a really fresh kind of uh, foam from one of the one of the creamers fired with um, mm. fired with nitrous oxide. Oh, that's uh, fun. And, and we did a, a Bellini the same way, which was the champagne just topped with a peach and verbena tea foam, hmm. which was really, really tasty. Really? I, you know, I've never made a cocktail with tea, but I, it's becoming more and more popular. You're hearing more and more about it. That's yeah, cool. I mean, this was the end of 2010, so I guess we were fairly early on with it. Um, but there were so many different teas and, and that sort of thing that we had access to over there. Mm. Plus going over to the the spice souks and that sort of thing in the old town of Dubai. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you could get some really interesting flavors. You know, our spice syrup that we made over there, which I would encourage everyone to try this out, especially around Christmas, mm. um, was uh, cardamom, cinnamon, uh, cloves, um, star anise, black peppercorns, and... Uh, and then it was lemon and lime zest with sugar and, and water. Really, really tasty. Cool. That does sound good. Yeah, cardamom is fun, and I, I really like that in cocktails. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, that, that's good stuff. I was just look, I was looking through my spice cabinet, and I couldn't find it. I'm going to go out and get some because <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I, I know why I was thinking about it because I heard about it on your podcast. That's what made me oh, think really? about oh, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> David runs a bartender podcast called Bartender HQ. Yeah, I, I'd been listening to your stuff uh, for a bit and then uh, been meaning to get in touch, but uh, you finally you, you came to the rescue with that, that sangria recipe that I, uh, I requested. I put a call out for last week, sangria recipe. So that was – thanks for getting it. In touch with that yes no that, problems i mean that's one that i actually featured i think it was actually on last week's podcast right uh, having listened to yours i thought <laughs> well let's let's throw it in there it's uh, it's definitely one of the recent ones if you uh, have a quick look over at bartenderhq.com yeah so you were talking on on another show about um doing classes for like consumers it was just sort of for fun right yes that's right um, and yeah, that's something that i really i've really been thinking about for quite a while i just never got around to doing it but i think i think it's a great thing what? Yeah, is it is it something that's popular in the U.S.? No, not at all, not no? at all. No, although I hear uh, in Boston, somebody told me in Boston there's a few places doing it, but I I don't know any place in New York that's doing it. Not to oh, say okay. that not not to say that it doesn't happen, but I I haven't seen anybody doing it. But you want to? Can you describe uh, the ones ones that you've run? Yeah, of course. I mean, over here there's a, a few different bars that are running it, and it's mainly for uh, hen parties, uh, which I guess in the states you call bachelorette parties. Right. We call it hen party, uh -huh. um, and because it's hen do's and stag do's over here. Uh -huh. um, but the the main bar that kind of kicked it off over here were a, a vodka bar called Revolution, okay. and they do it, and it's quite structured there, and they've got a, a kind of standard way that their bartenders run it, but. It, I think the reason that they do it in such a structured way is because they haven't got particularly um, particularly highly skilled bartenders, if you mm -hmm. like. They come in at a base level, and I know this is something that you've discussed in the past, is actually hiring bartenders that don't have experience <laughs> yeah. so that you don't have to beat the bad habits out of them. Right. <laughs> um, but actually, uh, we've started running them with a nightclub that I work in called Reflex Arcadian, and it's a, it's a really retro bar. Mm -hmm. uh, it's 80s-themed. We've got the big neon of cocktails and dreams up on the wall, um, and we have, a, we have a great time. It's really unpretentious. But we get a lot of these hen parties, the bachelorette parties in. Um, and it's great fun for these guys yeah. because they can come in earlier in the evening. There's a comedy club just around the corner from us as well. Okay. So a lot of them come in to us at about 5 p.m. Right. Um, then they'll go around to the comedy club afterwards 
ones that have had their cocktail class. So they're kind of with it while they actually come to us. Uh-huh. And we, uh, <laughs> we get them behind the bar. They all come behind the bar um, and make cocktails with us. So I'll be behind there and I'll teach them some basic flair. Um, they'll have the rest of their group uh, cheering them on. Right. And But it's only them that are in the bar at the time. So we right. get the stools out around the bar. Um, we, we make them their first round of drinks. So they've got some massive partini mm. sharers mm-hmm. uh, to start off with, which I don't know if you've seen my video um, on the YouTube channel, which uh, shows me flaring. It's, it, it's kind of the trailer for the website. You'll right. see that in, in this competition, I made this enormous uh, partini cocktail. And that glass is actually from the nightclub. This is what we use for our sharing cocktails. Uh. But I think they're about a 48-ounce glass. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a margarita coupette, but about 48 ounces. <laughs> and, um, and so we make up a bunch of these for the guys when they arrive. They come in, they make one of the drinks from our menu uh, themselves uh, with our guidance. So there's a couple of bartenders behind the bar yeah. uh, helping out. Then we get the hen to come behind the bar as well she gets a sort of special uh, lesson the bachelorette um and uh, yeah they basically come in they do some kind of mexican wave shooters down the bar we film it it goes on our facebook page and it helps to promote it for anyone else that wants yeah. to come yeah, and do the same great. thing that's great and, i think it, i think it's so much fun for somebody to you know and and plus you're doing it at a time when the bar wouldn't be busy anyway you know so well exactly yeah. we we don't normally open until 8 p.m. because right. it's a nightclub yeah um so this it kind of gives our bartenders the chance to come in and uh, make a little bit of extra money. Yeah. Um, while they don't generally get tipped, a few extra hours does help out, especially in a nightclub where they're not open every night. It mm. gives them a little bit of extra time that they can work. But, uh, yeah, it's really good. It's been really popular. And I kind of do it in association with the website as well. So the posters double bill the nightclub and Bartender HQ. Great. Yeah, I've, I've got to get that together somehow. I mean, I've been thinking about it for so long, but of course now I don't have time to do much of anything, but <laughs> I think it would be it would be great. Well, cool. So, Flair, how did you get into that? Uh, right. Well, I went to university in Stafford. I went to university in about uh, 2000. I, I think it's just called college in the US, right? Uh-huh. So that's your 18 to 21 kind of age of education. Uh Um, So I was studying um, design technology for engineering, Mm -hmm. which is obviously very, very relevant to bartending. (laughs) Um, I ended up working in a a local nightclub purely because I'd taken a friend uh, for her interview and fixed the manager's computer while I was there. So (laughs) he insisted that we got uh, some hours for me. Uh, It just started off glass collecting and bar backing okay. but within a couple of weeks we'd had a bartender off sick for the night so mm-hmm. i ended up filling in for him mm-hmm. uh a greek guy behind the bar called aris who was uh, <laughs> famous in the area for flipping um just the ice cubes into the glasses it was very mm-hmm. very basic at the time mm-hmm. but because the girls loved it i had to learn this <laughs> yeah uh, and as a result of working at this nightclub i obviously don't have a degree Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was far more fun working four nights a week at the club. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for about a year. Ended up uh, doing a bit of management training at different uh, different pubs and bars, and and just found that the bar, the, the flair bartending was the thing that really got me excited. Mm. And uh, this is obviously the early days of the internet as well. There wasn't a great deal of YouTube. Well, YouTube itself didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um. But barproducts.com and some of the uh, some of the early 
bartending equipment websites did sell videos and put on really short trailers for those okay. videos. Uh-huh. So I learned everything you could find for free online yeah. um, from those videos before I uh, before I actually took the plunge and bought anything. Okay. I walked around with uh, bits of glass stuck in my feet a lot because <laughs> I was practicing in my dorm room. Um, and I found out that the best way to avoid that early on was just purely by wrapping up these bottles in sellotape or um, insulation tape, okay. anything like that. And it just holds everything together when you break them. You will break them still. <laughs> but uh, you can just throw the whole thing in the trash in one go. Right. Well, um, and- that's cool. <laughs> well, what, what, what equipment uh, do you need to do flare? Well, this is the thing. I I found that when I first started, I didn't want to invest any money in it whatsoever. So one of the posts that I've put on uh, the Bartender HQ site just recently is actually how to assemble a free um, flare bartender training kit. All right. Uh, and it is things like wrapping up the bottles. But if you want to get into it a little bit more seriously and you want to teach yourself, um, the first thing to pick up is your mixing tins, like so your shaker tins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to go for like, the 28 ounce uh, shakers and you don't really want the three piece ones with the uh, with the strainer built in you want right. the open top boston style right um so th- that's a first investment to get you can pick them up for a couple of bucks at most catering suppliers mm-hmm. um and if you want to go a little bit further flare bottles there's a company called flareco based in vancouver i believe All right. um and those guys are the ones that make the plastic training bottles that uh are kind of ubiquitous throughout the industry. Now, there's a lot of um, imitation ones out there now, if you like. Mm -hmm. They still work just as well, but when you drop them, they are a lot more likely to shatter. The the Flareco ones, I mean, you can bounce them off concrete. They very, very (laughs) rarely will break. Um, The cheaper ones are a little bit thinner, but Uh they kind of, they do the job if if you're not going to be too rough with them. Yeah, and uh, so we... I think I heard you talk about one time, but you you basically have uh, flare bottles and then you have working bottles, right? So you're you're not really necessarily pouring out of the flare bottles, or is that not true? Oh, no. Um, Well, every bottle that we pick up, um, even in a competition, has to have liquid in there. Okay. And it has to be open at the top. So you've not got anything that's sealed that you're flipping, um, and you've not got anything, any dry bottles. Okay. Um, The difference is that your flare bottle, like an exhibition flare bottle, is going to have around about an ounce or two in the bottom. Um, and something that you would class as a working flare bottle is anything that's sort of half full or more. Okay. Um, and you can still flip them. You just have to be a lot more careful with the uh, with the working flare bottles. Yeah. So what keeps um, the liquid from coming out? <laughs> is purely centrifugal uh, force. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's purely a little bit of understanding of physics. So maybe my engineering background didn't hurt so much after all. all. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, you've basically you've got to push that bottle faster than the liquid will fall mm. if it's upside down. Okay. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Or you've got to have the whole thing moving together in a in a really um, kind of smooth motion. Okay. But it's very possible, and um, especially within competitions nowadays, they've moved away from purely the exhibition stuff, and there's a lot of mixology built into the flare competitions mm-hmm. um, because. Uh, for a little while, there were a lot of jugglers that were coming onto the scene and kind of taking high marks at these flare competitions. Right. So a few competitions started putting in um, a free pour test. 
Uh-huh. So during your routine, you had to pour a one ounce and a two ounce pour into, into mixing tins and you'd be checked on your accuracy. Cool. That was one of the ways that they'd make sure you've got bartenders. Uh-huh. And then the other thing is they now have a working flare round quite often at the beginning of a competition or, uh, you know, within your five or six minute set that you perform, you'll have to make a drink that uses full bottles or specific bottles for a sponsor, for example. Yeah. So, and those will generally be set as your working flare bottles, um, or you'll have a choice of drinks that you can make. But it's got to be this drink to this specification um, with these bottles, and right. that that way they can kind of ensure that the bartenders that are coming in have got some background in bartending and not just in juggling items, yeah. regardless of of you know what those items happen to be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'll flip the bottle around once or twice. Uh, when it's empty, but not. I haven't ventured into uh, doing it <laughs> with stuff inside. Well, put it this way: I mean, spilling is completely unacceptable. And there's a, a an absolute legend of flare bartending that I kind of learned the the uh, the craft from early on. A guy called Scott Young who um, runs ExtremeBartending.com, okay. and Bar Smart, I think, is his company. But it's not the same Bar Smarts yeah. that you've been doing your courses right. with. Uh. Um, but uh, his the thing that was really drilled into you in all of his videos is spillage is unacceptable and you don't slow down to flare. Okay. Uh, and that's something that I know a lot of bar owners get worried about, that it will yeah. either take longer or they will be spilling all the profits. Yeah, yeah. What was the name of that website again? That was uh, extremebartending.com. Ah. I'm hoping to actually get uh, Scott on one of our podcasts uh, later down the line, actually. Uh-huh. Um, that's that's something that we've discussed, but it's just getting the schedules together. Yeah. Well, is there uh, any simple stuff that we, you know, our bartenders that are listening can work into their routine? You know, something fun and simple, easy to learn. Yeah. Flare-wise? There certainly is. I mean, one of the ones that um, that I kind of teach everyone first, um, and I'll have to actually get a little video of this done so that your listeners can have a quick look because it's much easier to show people than yeah. uh, than to explain it. <laughs> But the first thing that I suggest people use when they're starting to flare is napkins. Right. Um, the, the bev naps that are in our bar caddies on on the bar top uh, that you pop down in front of your guests every time. Sure. Those are the easiest things to do a kind of flashy move with that really looks great. And what you can do is you can pick it up by one corner, you can spin it in the air like a little frisbee, hmm. um, get it to land on the back of your hand. Hmm. And that's quite simple, actually. As long as you can get it spinning flat in the air, you can just get it to land on the back of your hand. Cool. And then all you do is turn your hand over to place it in front of your guest. <laughs> I've got to try that. Got and it looks that. it looks really, really classy. And, um, I mean, you can do it as well once you practice without uh, breaking eye contact with your guest. And that's something that I find is really, really powerful. If you can do this stuff without visibly paying attention to what you're doing, uh, you automatically look like an expert and they will trust your recommendations for drinks. They won't question you free pouring. There is so much value just in that little, oh, look, he knows what he's doing. Does it uh, does it help to learn how to uh, juggle? I actually taught myself how to juggle from a book when I was a kid, so uh, I can I, that, I've got that background. Is that is that helpful? It's got to be. Right? It certainly does. Yeah, I mean, if you can, if you have that rhythm, especially if you can do three balls, so you're doing the kind of um, throw catch, throw catch, throw catch. You can do exchanges in each hand, um, and I mean, you can do so much without actually flipping a bottle. 
you know, if you can learn a couple of moves with a mixing tin, um, then you can do that around a bottle. And, and that's one of the really good things that you can do as a filler, especially during working flare, when you're quite limited with what you can physically do with the bottle without spilling, um, is you can kind of transfer the majority of your bottle moves over to the tin and you have your bottle kind of just moving around these tricks with the tin. Um, and then obviously anything that you've learned with a tin, you can pretty much then transfer straight over to glassware because it's the same shape. It's not going to spill anything. But obviously, if you break it, yeah, uh, the tins the tins kind of train you out of dropping stuff because it's noisy and embarrassing. Uh, the glassware tends to uh, train you out of it by getting uh, getting ticked off by the boss. <laughs> hey, um, TGI Fridays is is interesting that they uh, they really do some quality cocktails there for for a chain restaurant, don't they? And mm-hmm. and they uh, and they like to have bartenders that can do some flair, right? They really do. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, yeah, quite an operation. I went to the um, nightclub and bar show that John Taffer runs in Vegas a couple years okay. ago, and the uh, he was the CEO, I think, of Fridays. gave the keynote speech. Right. Uh, yeah, he was an interesting, dude. Yeah. Well, actually, I know that in the in the states they've actually had John Taffer hosting the World Bartender Championships that Fridays runs. Right. Um, he was the he was the compare and the host for the night because if if you're not aware or if your listeners aren't aware. TGI Fridays really push it, and uh, they have divisional championships over in the U.S., which is, I think, four different um, four different regions, and then they have a U.K. winner and a European winner and an Asian winner, uh, and they bring everyone together in the U.S. once a year um, for the World Bartender Championships, and the Brits have got a pretty good record over there. I think we've won it out of the last 10 years about six times. Right. Um, and we have a lot of the the British uh, Fridays Master Bartenders go around the world do, doing the new openings. Um, and it's, uh, there's some fabulous British bartenders behind Fridays Bars because they are one of the few chains, especially in the UK, that really pushes things forwards. And there's, there's a few others nowadays. We've got places like Be At One, uh, which were actually opened by ex-Fridays Bartenders on uh, car loans down in London. Oh, wow. And they've got about seven or eight bars now, I think. Cool. Um, and then there's a couple of others, uh, Living Ventures as well, uh, who used to operate the Living Rooms uh, brand over here, uh, which was some really nice craft mixology cocktails and things. Uh, they've got some new brands over here. Living Room itself has closed down now, but they've got about five or six different smaller brands that they're uh, they're trialing over here. So the UK is looking pretty good for cocktails at the moment. That's great. Great. Yeah, I was impressed. You know, years ago, Fridays was really not good. I, I think I probably went... 12 or 14 years without stepping foot in one and then so uh, for whatever reason end up going to one and I was they had a cocktail with uh, made with maker's mark and and uh, mm-hmm. honey syrup and fresh lemon juice I was like wow <laughs> didn't, oh yeah didn't expect that at all well I know in the UK I think they've completely trashed going for any of the powdered mixes that they used to use over here because I know for one uh, for a while they were using um, they were using the finest call um, mm-hmm. premixes okay. for some of their drinks and then they went over to using um, frozen uh, frozen fruits a lot for the purees that were made in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, I know while I was there, we were making up our pina colada mixes and that sort of thing from scratch. It wasn't, really? you know, it wasn't as good as it would be if you were, you know, using proper coconut cream and, and that kind of thing, but mm-hmm. it was pretty close and it was it wasn't you know it wasn't like a pre-mix that you'd buy in it was like a two-day pre-mix and we were blending it and 
mm-hmm. real pineapple and that sort of thing in there. Uh, right. We were still using the powdered sweet and sour mix back in those days, but uh, I know Fridays nowadays it's all uh, fresh lemon and lime juice. It's uh, it's getting really nice. They've got blueberries behind the bar, raspberries, mm. all kinds of different fresh fruits. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, we can wrap it up here because we're going to do another show for your for your podcast. So yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll say we'll say goodbye for now. But um, tell people again about uh, we have bartenderhq.com, right? Yeah, you can and, uh, you can find us over there. That's um, kind of it's my little home online. So there's uh, there's drinks recipes going up there. There's reviews of different uh, coffee makers that I'm using. The AeroPress at the minute is awesome. Hmm. Have you tried that? No. Uh. Uh-uh. AeroPress coffee is amazing. I, I've been mm. using it the last couple of weeks, and it's fabulous. Um, you know, everything that I put up there, there's there's articles about how to multi-serve, that kind of thing. Some some of the stuff that people don't seem to be writing about online. Yeah. I've tried to cover some different topics that no one else is chatting about. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. check it out. Oh, definitely. And then uh, Twitter and Facebook, you want to talk about that? Yeah, it's uh, at BartenderHQ on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, yeah, just search BartenderHQ. It's all one word, mm-hmm. um, and you'll find it there. I'm also on Instagram, although I don't do a great deal with that at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to get the uh, the podcasts are going up on YouTube as well, so right. there's a little bit of extra content going into those. Um, so, yeah, you can find us pretty much anywhere. Cool. Well, very good. Thanks so much for talking. And uh, uh, Thanks for having me, Brian. My pleasure, David. All right, that was cool talking to David. If you want to hear the second half of that, uh, you can listen to his podcast where he uh, he and I talk some more. His bar- his podcast is called Bartender HQ, and you can find that on iTunes or his website. And uh, of course, you can find this show on iTunes. And if you're if you're on iTunes, do me a favor, go over there and give me some ratings and some reviews. I'd really appreciate it. The uh, five is the most stars that you can give. So five. Remember, five is the most. So you might want to, uh, if you get over there, it really helps us out. Um, getting those ratings and reviews and uh, subscribe if you're not subscribed already you can uh, get the podcast as soon as they become available automatically so or we're on stitcher radio too if you like to get your your podcast that way well you know all this already you're listening to the show so uh all right well there'll be another bartender journey podcast coming up pretty soon uh i don't know what it's gonna be but (laughs) i've got to i'll figure something out as we uh close in on 100 podcasts and uh Hey, you know, there's a lot, uh, a lot there to listen to. So uh, if you jumped in uh, recently, go back to the beginning and check it out. And uh, what else can I tell you? My name is Brian Vincent Weber. I appreciate you listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BarkeepTips. You can find our website, BartenderJourney.net. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Bartender Journey. And I guess that's about it this week. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>